I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jen. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you excited to dive into our first letter in three years? Yes. Let's just stop here and mention your fear did not come true that we would get no letters. <laughs> We're in the double digits already. Yeah, we, we are. are. I've, I had I had so many letters that I was like so excited to dive into the role, but we 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 picked one that we felt like we had the right headspace and energy to dive into today. But if you have sent in a letter and we have not answered it, doesn't mean it's not coming in a future episode. Obviously, there's only so many we can get to, but we are playing around with some ideas for us to do more helpful things for you hopefully in the long run. Yeah, what we can do with some of the extra ones. And also if you're listening, that's not a sign to not send us your letter. We still want to hear it because... Yes, please send your letters. We kind of pick the ones that feel like they represent the things we're hearing the most from our clients or in the letters or maybe that feel the most pertinent to us or just relevant at the time. So keep them coming at any point in time. And also we want to, like we did last time, we tried to keep the episodes quite diverse. So keep them coming in because we don't want to do five episodes in the same subject. So keep True. sending your letters in so we can die. Shall I read today's letter out? Yes, let's hear today's. Okay, so today's letter writer's pseudonym is unpopular one, which is very pertinent to the question they've asked us. And they say, I'm six years into running my business and I feel like I'm running out of steam. The beginning was hard. But then came the Instagram high with dozens of thousands of engaged followers. Everything felt so exciting and spacious. I felt like people wanted to see what I'm up to, follow my work and buy from me. Then the pandemic happened and it left me burned out. For the past two years, I was running on the momentum I generated at the beginning of my journey, but the momentum seems to have stopped. Now slowly coming back to myself and my business, I can't help to feel like it's almost dead. For the past few months, I'm working on different ideas to get it all back up and running, but I notice no one cares. I set up a substack, but the engagement is very low sales are low and so is my mood long story short is my main concern is that they only like me because they didn't know the real me before and now that they do they've checked out and there's no hope left how do I run a business when I don't feel like one of the popular girls anymore oof oh letter writer I feel for you and I actually think what she's feeling is something that I'm hearing from lots of people at the moment I don't know if that's true for you Jen yeah I think the landscape has changed a lot our ability to use the platforms we had built and this isn't true just for now this has been building over the years like our ability to reach people has been shortened right like in terms of there's more fatigue from an audience perspective but also the algorithms are not working in people's favor that I think we were talking about this ourselves like the expectations we had of how things used to go a few years ago are actually really really unhelpful expectations to put on ourselves now I think yeah like I feel like it's altered and even shortened is kind of a value judgment isn't it to say that there's less now I don't know if that's true it's just different and what I'm hearing from lots of people is like we were in this sort of feedback loop especially with Instagram where we were getting the validation we needed we were getting the sales we needed like we had a system we liked and it worked so for that to then have evolved and changed and especially if like our letter writer like maybe there's been a break in between so you notice the change instead of it being a gradual thing it's like you come back and everything's different. It's very difficult not to have that past focus and, and think I need to get back there instead of like that fresh energy of, right, I'm starting from here. How do I build from here? 
it's like a double-edged sword because to look at past growth and momentum can be really empowering to be like this is proof of what I'm capable of and this is proof of like what's possible for me but then also to compare current us to past us can kind of set ourselves up to feel like a failure if we're in a different place now so it's kind of it can do both things it can empower us but it also can set really it's like looking in the mirror and expecting ourselves to look how we looked when we were 20 years old like that's yeah it's still a shock to me every time I'm getting Botox but (laughs) and also real like it's so interesting you say that because I do not get the vibe from this letter that that is what she's doing I don't think she's looking at her past successes and going I've got this I think she's looking at the past successes and going I've lost this yeah the if I was sat across from today's letter writer the question and she she, they would probably hate me (laughs) but it's like what would you what would you do to breathe new life into it now in this moment? Because to live in the past, you know what I'm mean? like to live in like, oh, well, I want it to go back to how where it was, or I want it to feel how it did. Nostalgia can only take us so far. It keeps us stuck. It keeps us trapped because have things in the past few years alone, have things evolved and changed? Of course they have like platforms have changed and, and consumers behavior has changed. And the, I mean, the world, the last time since we recorded this show, Sarah, we did not, like the world has changed yeah. in so many ways. And so, and for two people who've been doing this for, for like decade now, like we've seen our own journeys evolve and change. We've seen the industry itself change. Like when we, when I was getting started, my entire audience was built on blog loving. Like, does anyone even know what that is? Anymore? Blog loving. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's like the whole thing was like, how many followers did I get today? And how many comments and how many likes? It's interesting because Substack reminds me of it, but in this like more yes. mature way. And imagine if you were now like still, try- still trying to run your business from <laughs> blog loving and you were like, it's just not working anymore. Oh my God, I've lost it. And that's, I'm not actually saying letter writer or anyone who's still clinging to a platform like Instagram. That's not what's happening. Instagram is still absolutely a viable option. I still teach Instagram. In fact, Insta Retreat is on sale right now. If you're listening to this in real time, we are enrolling. But you have to keep that future focus, right? Because as soon as you try and get back to something you had before, the only thing you can do is go backwards. You can't move forwards. It's literally how it works. And exactly, I think this is where the mindset piece comes in because if you were brand new, if this letter writer was brand new to this and, you know, instead of having taken a break and had a child and everything, like just started their business today, they wouldn't have all this baggage of not believing in themselves. They'd come at it with that fresh enthusiasm. There'd be that curiosity and that willingness to experiment. And they wouldn't make something like slow sales, which is, also a belief right not necessarily a fact we could say she sold this many in this time period and that would make it neutral wouldn't make that mean anything negative you probably make that mean something positive because there are lots of people who with brand new businesses selling zero so that backstory it can be something we use to bolster ourselves but most of the people I speak to it actually just becomes like a big branch that we're bashing ourselves over the head with and then we're like why does my head hurt (laughs) let me give an example because we were talking about this Mm. earlier so I last year launched a big like a big big goal of my business last year was so I predominantly up until last year I'm a I'm a coach like I work one-on-one with clients that was like 80% of my business model was working one-on-one with clients and I would have calls like two three days a week every week and after I had my son and my health got more complicated I just got, I I adore this work so much. I have no desire to stop working with clients, but I needed more spaciousness in my schedule. And also when you only work one-on-one with clients, there's only so many people you can serve with your work. So over the years, I've created lots of smaller courses and smaller programs to kind of create that 20% of the one-to-many income in my business. But I really wanted to create 
like a flagship offer that could capture the magic of what I do one-on-one but in a more spacious way so anyway I'm getting to the point of the story I promise so I launched this big flagship group program last year it changed everything in my business I had two launches last year they went really well it basically allowed me to like radically reduce my one-on-one schedule I moved from like working with clients every week to now this year I have one month a quarter where I have one day a week of client calls and then two months a quarter where no client calls I do still dive deep with my clients over Voxer so I launched this program had two great launches really like evolved my business had my best like sales year yet and then in January I opened the doors again and I had quote unquote a slower launch <laughs> I made about a third of the sales I made in the first launch for comparison and it was I mean it was beautiful because the people who joined in January beautiful fits for this program it brought in cash flow into my business on paper if you look at it that way it was great but because I compared it to yeah. the previous two launches I could start to tell myself a story of you failed, this isn't good enough, you're, you're going backwards. All the stories that our letter writer today has started to tell themselves. And it's really true of if you take the comparison and the judgment out of it, it's just, no, I made this, I made this many sales, I made this much amount of money, I welcome these people into this program and now I can support them in their business journey. Two very different ways of looking at it. When I judge it on the past, it can be negative. But when I judge it neutrally in the moment, it was a win. And I think for anyone listening to this who in any way is kind of, I think expecting ourselves for things to sell at the same pace, for things to grow at the same pace, for us to expect. I used to believe the lie in them. I thought in the beginning that you must get to a place one day in your business where it's all, you know, like when you look at people who are very established and very successful and you think, oh, everything's just easy for them. Like they've just built enough of an audience, and enough reach and enough mm. growth. And I bet, to be honest, Sarah, some people probably looked at us and thought that about us. Like, I was going to oh, say, I'm sure people think, still think that about both of us. And it's like, that's not actually true. Business, I have learned like business is some of my best financial years have actually been followed by slower financial years, sometimes intentionally because I had to take a step back. Like business isn't linear. And that lesson was a very key lesson for me to learn so that I stopped always judging myself on, am I keeping up with the most recent past me? Does that make sense? Yeah. What it reminds me of is two things is first of all, that whole analogy of nothing in nature can bloom year round. And I I think I say this in like everything I ever record, but like the beautiful spring blossom trees that are out right now are fantastic for like two weeks and then kind of ignorable for the rest of the year. But that's how they have those amazing two weeks. And literally like we are living beings. Let's not forget that. But then the second thing I think about is the huge damage that has been done to platforms like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, because of the people at the helm, their relentless pursuit of growth on growth on growth, right? The only measure of success we have in capitalism is supposed to be growth, more money for the shareholders, more engagement, more traction, mm. more users. And I think most of us would have been really happy if they'd just gone, hey, this is working on Instagram about three years ago. Let's just keep it going at this level. We don't need more growth. We'll just make it continue to work and be sustainable. Like, capitalism doesn't really give us permission to do that but we don't have shareholders demanding growth they're not going to kick us out if we don't do it we're allowed to evolve and pivot and have quieter times and build up to new things and that's what I see we give ourselves permission for that when a business is new we give ourselves permission to figure it out and we come at it with that open mindset that's completely available to us still as an established business owner but harder to have because 
because of all the stories and because of what we're making everything mean. And so getting into that neutrality, one of the exercises I get my clients to do is sometimes they just have to fill a whole page with all of their like ranting thoughts about their business. And then we go through it with like a highlighter and we highlight the facts. And there's normally about three words on the page that are factual because the rest is just story. Well, today's letter writer has two options, basically. They can stay stuck in this story that is being told to them in their business that they're not one of the popular girls anymore Mm. and that no one cares and the engagement is low and sales are low and their mood is and also I'm not saying this to be like our thoughts create our reality and like no Mm -hmm. because we're human beings and it's exhausting to be a human being and navigating like mindset blocks is very real in this journey but we always come to this moment where we've got two roads we can choose we can choose to stay stuck in it and be like well no one cares so I'm just gonna make this like a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways and hide and not take up space or there's a second road where they say this is what I'm passionate about in my work this is my goals and my vision for my business and what I want to make possible for me so I'm going to be committed to that and I'm going to do it and I'm going to breathe fresh life into it and I'm going to follow my path and I'm going to trust that the people who are meant to come on this that I have lost so many people over the years when I've evolved into the next chapter of my work and it wasn't right for someone they've left they've unfollowed me they've opted out perfect because I only want to follow the people that really resonate with me so I only want the people who I really resonate with to follow me like you have to make a choice to either move forward or you can stay stuck and I think it's one of the bravest choices like unpopular one I hate calling you that I don't want to call you that no well I'm gonna call her popular one from now on she's called poppy (laughs) (laughs) but this is gonna probably be one of the bravest choices you have to make for yourself because it's easier when everyone's clapping for you it's a lot easier to take up space when the algorithm was so good that you know 500 people would like your post within the first 10 minutes of posting it you know what I mean like it, it was easier to take up space then whereas now like we have to take up space and not feeling like everyone's clapping for us or cheering us on or paying attention. But the thing I always remind myself is someone's, especially if you've already built an audience, someone's always paying attention in a good way. Like the people whose work resonates the most with me have no idea I exist. It's so true. But I'm not commenting on their posts. I'm I'm a silent reader. What it makes me think of, and this might be random, but do you, do you ever meet those people who are just stuck in a certain decade? Like the 70s was their era where they were really happy and their kids were young and they loved their job and the style matched their personal preference. So they still have the hair and they're still doing the makeup and it just doesn't work for them anymore. Like that's that's the temptation we're talking about here is to go, hey, that was our golden age. Like, do you remember when Instagram was good? And we're going to turn into like those people who are, this was all fields and, and my day. Like we, that's, that was great. We loved that. Okay. What about now? And keep evolving and, and trust that like the best season is still ahead of us. I think that's what it comes down to is faith in the future. That, what you just said there is everything. Like, I think when you've been doing this for a while, it's, a, there's more fatigue for yourself because yeah. you've already had all the highs and lows already. You've already had the, like that that big first moment when you really get your business off the ground and the feeling on the other side is like relief of like oh I did it and then there's the next highs and the next lows and all of it and you you get to a point when you're a few years in when you're like I'm tired can this just get like a little easier and then or you get to a bit where you feel like you're coasting for a bit and then you realize oh I took my foot off the pedal and now things aren't as momentum for me and I just want to bear witness to the fact like if you're exhausted by that that's okay I think we would probably say that at times we've we felt exhausted by that too and this is the part of being a human I was going to say like this is the trade-off of being self-employed but I imagine people in workplaces feel exactly the same but they just have a whole other 
politics of their workplace also making their life harder and I think the thing we have to if we accept that this is part of it and accept that it's exhausting and also what you said like we have to have faith in the future the best is still yet to come if we don't believe that why would we keep showing up we and I find that really empowering when I remind myself the best is still yet to come still still so much as possible for me that's when I can then shift into you know letter writer today says they feel like they're running out of steam that's when I can then shift to refueling my tank to move into the next chapter I also think it's it's a really helpful thing to question that idea of like can't it be easier because there is ease that comes from being a more established business owner and I don't mean established as in like you have a big audience necessarily or you know you have a certain way of working but just that you've been doing this that you know how to do these things there are people out there who have still got to figure out how to you know how to do their first Instagram post and how to take a picture and how to write a caption and how to start an email list and all of those things are brand new you have that you have assets you have experience and the one that you need to cultivate more than anything is the self-belief and the self-trust and that's what it sounds like our letter writer today has really lost and in fact maybe I wonder if ever even had it like that piece where she talks about they've seen the real me now which sort of implies Mm -hmm. that when it was working they felt like they weren't being authentic and I I think the popular girl the whole idea of that is really interesting because it's definitely going back to some school days probably our letter writer had experiences of feeling like they didn't fit in at school which I know is familiar to lots of us as well so if you've got this narrative about yourself that like the real you can't be trusted can't be liked of course you're not going to be able to be in like integrity with yourself and and have your own back and make these decisions and, and be bold because you're believing that you're fundamentally wrong completely and it's also questioning that what does it mean to be popular like <laughs> it's like do you know what I mean like like it's it's a it's a tough one because it's fickle take Instagram for example it's fickle because the algorithm changes and the way the platform pushes you forward you know with all the changes in recent like all the moved video content and all stuff like that like then you what so I'm only popular if I play the game that some corporation decided I needed to you know what I mean like it's yes are we even are we even in control of what we think makes someone popular when the apps are deciding (laughs) what puts out one of the things that really helps me as well is to think about like the most popular people in contemporary media like the people who are loved the people who have really established brands around themselves like personal brands I suppose are the weirdos like they're not (laughs) they're not the popular kids from school they're not the ones that like everybody likes they're kind of Tori Amos says it like I'm like anchovies and not everyone likes those hairy little suckers and that's kind of it right some people love anchovies (laughs) some people don't and I can't remember who to credit it to but there's that perfect analogy of like everyone likes vanilla ice cream no one really says no to vanilla ice cream but the people who love pistachio ice cream will drive across town to get the best pistachio ice cream some people hate it and will never buy it but the fans of pistachio ice cream are so much more invested so you don't need to be popular you just need to be authentic and your whole self and being that and being able to show up as that is hard because you've probably had your whole life experience tell you that that wasn't okay yeah you know what I was thinking like the desire to be popular is not a very sustainable way to build and run a business because Mm -hmm. then you are always at the whim of trends and other people's interest in you like what's the desire beyond popularity because like for me 
popularity okay we are wired as human beings to want to fit in because that's how we feel safe in society right like we are wired Mm -hmm. to want to feel part of communities and part of tribes but when i think about like popularity doesn't really come into my mind really in business what i care about is two things like am i doing work that's in my zone of genius that i'm really proud of that is impactful and am I able to resonate and connect with my hell yes people so that I can do that work for them and also, you know, make a good living and keep the lights on in my home and my life and ruin my life? None of that is about popularity. That is about impact and service and like resonating with people. And so I wonder for today's letter writer, the focus on am I liked and do people want me? And then staying stuck in that spiral of I don't feel like a popular girl anymore then kind of means that they're not actually fully in their zone of genius of because yeah. what I'm curious about is what do you do like what's your perspective what's your skills what's your magic what is the piece of you that if you let it fully stand in the light it will attract your hell yes people yes and because if right now you're hiding and shrinking because you're thinking well I have to be popular and I have people have to like me and and also and if you're burnt enough. out exactly and also if you're burnt out when we're this is why we've only just come back to this podcast now after three years yeah. <laughs> because for the past three years we've both had so I had a baby we both had so much health stuff going on we had nothing to give we would have shown up from an empty tank and not had any joy here and it's like when we're burnt out we're not actually able to truly create our most like energized work because we're burnt out and we're exhausted so it's also okay right now letter writer if you've not been in your zone of genius for a while if you've been burnt out if hard things have been happening for you and if now you're in this place of like it kind of reinforces as I'm not good enough because but what I'm really curious about for you is like what's your magic and how can you move beyond the desire for popularity is it available to you and I think it's important to say is it available to you right now because sometimes I see this with my clients sometimes where where they're so burned out and they also have so much desire for creativity and growth and impact but until they refuel and yeah and heal from the burnout they can't do it because every time they try and do it they're a weekend and they don't have the energy to follow through on it and so sometimes frust- and this is where you and I have been of yeah. not having a lot of capacity for the things we want to do but I'm curious like what do you actually want to do what is your light what is your magic if you throw out the desire to be popular maybe you can actually be something more beautiful than that for yourself and for your work what do you think Sarah completely and I, it's so true when we want to be popular that pulls us in that direction of people pleasing and diluting because of course like popular is about appealing to the masses so you have to dull everything down until you're bland and palatable and vanilla ice cream and then how can you possibly create your best work with that as your goal so often the conversations we have in the live calls on the insta retreat people will say like what what's missing what do I need to be putting out on my account and always the thing that they need to be putting out is the thing that they are most desperate to hide about themselves so it will be like a healthy eating coach who is going through a rough time with like divorce or something and so having to eat like a lot of takeaways with their kids and feels like they cannot possibly let that world know about that but of course imagine if the healthy eating coach was putting that out there going hey sometimes my life looks like this too look here we all are eating McDonald's in the car because that's reality and you can still be someone who identifies as someone who's trying to change their food and wants to eat a certain way and have days like this too like that's going to create so much more connection so much more resonance so many more fans and people who are like okay actually I can engage with her work I don't have to wait until I'm perfect but we hide it because we've rejected it about ourselves and I see it again and again there'll be parenting bloggers who think they're not allowed to admit that their kids watch tv or they'll be like 
every every possibility you can think of. The things that you reject the most about yourself, the things that you worry other people will reject are actually the things that make people love you. And you and that make the things that make your hell yes people love you. Like if you yes. if you're a parenting coach and the fact that your kid watches TV is gonna turn someone off, they would be a nightmare for you to work with in the first place. Because right. they would have brought that judgmental energy into your containers. Like being ourselves is how people self-select. Like I can tell sometimes if I like talk about my health, for example, like I know that will repel some people because mm. if health struggles are triggering, like there'll be some people who talking about these things kind of makes me not the right person for them. But isn't it important that they know that? Isn't it important for me to within my own boundaries to share my full self so that someone knows if Jen's the right person for them or not within I think the like I also was thinking for this letter writer like if we're kind of have this build this relationship with our audience where like oh I I'm waiting to know that you want me before I give my full self to you that's like quite a toxic relationship to have created in our mind like mm. the magic has always happened for me in my business when I've just said I'm going to show up. I'm going to give myself. I'm going to give what I'm passionate about. I'm going to give what I believe is going to help illuminate what's possible for people with my work. And they can be crickets. They can not care, but I'm going to still do it. That's where the magic happens because people are paying attention even when you don't. Like it's kind of a, it's a, it's a cycle because if you think, oh, well, no one cares what I'm doing. So I'm going to keep hiding and I'm going to keep like shaving off my edges so I can be more palatable. Then we just become more and more lost, right? Absolutely. And I think it's interesting. So our letter writer mentioned she started a Substack and was sort of questioning the engagement there. The thing that makes Substacks grow at the moment, in fact, I interviewed Farah for my paid users. And one of the things she said was this is it's word of mouth, like it's a meritocracy cream rises to the top still and that's what Instagram and places used to be but now are so much more algorithm driven Substack is not algorithm driven so if you're reliant on what you put out there connecting lighting people up making them so passionate about it that they maybe share it maybe repost it maybe put it on Twitter whatever it is they do with the things they really love you cannot expect that reaction unless you are pouring your whole self into something right like you're not going to get that unless you're showing up as a whole person. And so it, it creates this kind of downward spiral of like, we try and people please, we create less traction. So then we more desperate to people please, then we create even less traction. Letting go of all of that and, and recognizing that actually like that hundreds of thousands of likes on Instagram is just as valuable as a couple of comments from people who are like, oh my God, yes, yes, this is me. I can't believe that you're speaking so directly to me. Because actually 100,000 likes will probably convert to about as many sales as two hell yeses who have sat and read a whole lengthy post that you've written. Our willingness to show up when no one's watching is how we get to the place where people are engaging with it. Like, for example, on Substack, I think I've posted maybe six posts now and some of them have had more engagement than others. Like, I think I posted one this week and it got like way less likes and way less engagement than others. I still showed up again this week and posted another one <laughs> because... Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that one didn't resonate. And that teaches me something about what this type of readership might be interested in. But I'm really glad I wrote that. And the people who did comment seem to really enjoy it too. Like, we cannot say like, I'm only going to show up if every time I show up, someone confirms to me that it was worth it to show up. We have to be yeah. our own confirmation, even after all these years. And like, Sarah, like, even after all these years and all the momentum you've had, if you show up and something doesn't resonate, do you run away and hide that? the next time I love it because it's data I mean, I've always been quite nerdy about it but I think that's actually served me so well and that's why like whatever platform I'm on I'm really like 
mm, why did that work? Why didn't that work? Why did that post blow up and that one didn't? And I think just tu- tuning your brain into that curious space where you're constantly kind of going, okay, like this is a puzzle that I get to figure out and no one can teach it for you. I always say that in the Insta retreat, like as, as, as tempting as it is to sign up for these classes where they're like, hey, here's a five-step formula, it'll work for everyone. Nobody can give you the blueprint for how to talk to your audience because it's going to be completely unique. And the only way to find it is to throw everything at the wall over and over and then you look at what sticks and then you lean into it. So for me, that was Instagram. Like if I hadn't talked about loads of topics on my blog back in the day, I would never have realized that Instagram was getting like 10 times the traction and been able to lean into that and create the business I have. So you have to have the openness, you have to have that willingness, you have to have that freedom. And Substack I see is creating that for lots of people because it feels like a fresh start, because it feels like it has fewer conventions and expectations. But if you're bringing over old expectations and old metrics of success, then you're missing out on the opportunity to gather all of that data and and to learn and build something that's like truly connected to who you are. I think a really powerful question can be sometimes like, what if I took away any expectations on return? Yeah. What if I just showed up and was like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do what I want here with this. And I'm not going to measure it on a daily, weekly basis of, is this moving the needle? I'm more just going to be curious to the two questions. How did it feel for me? And just curious, like, oh, how people are responding to this? But it's neutral question that because you're just like, oh, they like this one. Oh, they didn't like this one. But if every time you show up, you are using it as a moment to be cruel to yourself and judge yourself and reinforce this story that no one wants anything from you anymore, that is going to lead to burnout. That is going to lead to hiding. Like the courage to just show up anyway and keep going. And also, if that actually feels impossible for you, that's okay. Like that's a sign that you may actually need more support. And like, what I mean by that is like, this is why coaching communities, yeah. group coaching, like programs, like, like, I'm not saying that as someone who sells this stuff. I'm saying that as someone who has needed that stuff myself. Like if you're not, you don't have to do this alone if you don't want to. It doesn't have, you, if you don't have the budget, it doesn't even have to be something paid for. Like find spaces where you can anchor to other people's courage and belief in you and you can anchor to other people who make you feel like you can keep going because if you're listening to this and you're going actually yeah my nervous system doesn't actually feel capable of taking up that type of space the answer isn't oh just suck it up and do it the answer is how do I support my nervous system to get to that place but I do think every time I've been willing to show up and take up space and support myself to get like with Substack I'm just showing up I'm just having fun with it I haven't wrote like this in years and I don't actually know what the purpose of it is full big picture for my business apart from I want to do it and I want to see where it goes and if no one cared I think I'd still keep going because of the process of writing and the thing is for today's letter writer you've been six years into running your business you've built an audience is all of that audience engaging anymore no but is some of that audience engaging I'm pretty sure you say sale engagement is low sales are low that sounds like you're still having sales and you're still having engagement it's just not meeting your old expectations of it yeah and also maybe like it's not as seamless a way of contacting them anymore like if most of that audience is on Instagram it might take repeat posts and posting in a certain way in order to re-engage them in order to get them to see your posts and maybe to bring them over to something like Substack I'm fairly convinced Instagram is not promoting anything that pushes people to another platform similar to Twitter and what you said then Jen really resonates for me in that I've been thinking a lot about how there's there's nowhere really online anymore or the very few places where we still go and create just for passion. 
Like everywhere mm. you go, even like Tumblr or like everyone is is going, hey, I'm an artist. So here I am doing art because I want to grow an audience because I want to make money. I'm a musician. I need to grow following so that I can make money. And I mean, that just has so much to do with the economic climate and the world we live in, but also like the examples we've been set. These places that actually started as just a way to have community around your creation, a way to have feedback on your creativity, we've slowly kind of shifted our mindset so that they're all about pleasing their audience instead of pleasing ourselves and just having an audience for that process. And there are a few places, like I think Archive of Our Own, which is like a fan fiction website, but that's one of the few places I can think of as an example where people just show up to write for the love of writing and don't care if people like it or not. Like they're just happy for someone to read it. And I kind of wish that there was a platform like Substack or something where, you know, they like locked out all reactions and stats. They could still happen, but you're not allowed to see them for three months. (laughs) Like the Big Brother house where people didn't know if they were loved or hated until they came out or they would listen for booze on like eviction week. I feel like, like we've, we've lost that. We've lost the ability to create for ourselves as the original consumer. And it's really difficult now to create without a perceived audience in mind. And I actually think like we lose some of the value and the magic when we do that because we're all catering to an audience instead of catering to like a real human, which is us. Yeah, I wrote about this in my first Substack post. I was like, am I a writer or a content marketer? Yeah. Like this journey for me started as a writer. I write in blogs and then I became a, con- I'm, I'm I'm obviously very good at marketing. I've built a business for a decade yeah. and supported many clients to make a lot of money in their business too. I know how to be a content marketer. I know how to build marketing plans and all that stuff. But like you said, somewhere along the way, when we enter this space where we say, okay, what can I give of myself and create a customer journey so that someone buys from me and then I have my business. It, that, that is beautiful. That is how how we do great work in the world and make it easy to to book up our businesses all that good stuff and also everything you just said is so true because at what point do we then make ourselves the product and do we then make our worth our ability to give someone what they want for us so they won't unsubscribe from our newsletter because they're getting value and all that stuff and and it's in what I found really curious from spending some time on Substack is I think Con- the consumers of content also want this change they want more realness they want more like they know where to go to go and get their business advice and they know where to go and get all that expert knowledge and they want that too but they also just want the humanness and they want to just connect with you and tell stories and sit in like the messy magic of creativity and I think it's just I think maybe we're all slightly in a transition period now both in terms of marketers of our own business but also consumers of content and I know Sarah the if you were feeling like today's letter writer and you felt like, you know, engagement is low and sales are low and you're not, you weren't feeling like a popular girl, what would you do? I wonder if for anyone else listening who's like nodding along like, yeah, I feel like this. What would you do in your business to bring it back to life if that's how you felt in this current moment in time as well? Because I think it is an interesting moment in time in terms of platforms and engagement and, and how consumers are navigating marketing basically. Yeah. I think there's two factors to it. So it depends how much financial scarcity you're in, like how urgent the financial need is, right? Because there are things you can do that build it back up long-term, but it's very difficult to give yourself permission and time and space to invest in those 
when you need to pay the bills right now. So maybe our letter writer needs to think about that. Like if if they're fortunate enough to have a bit of a buffer financially, maybe they have a partner that's working or something and they can take more time and space, then I would look for a project that feels like it lights them up creatively. And I don't think it matters where that is. It could be Instagram, it could be newsletter, it could be a podcast, it could be anything. But something that's related to their business that just feels expansive and fun and full of possibility and then commit to showing up to that in a really consistent way for a time period and not to review the results until the end of that time period. So like, you know, I am Mm -hmm. going to post three times a week to Substack about these topics and I will review that after three months. And it's going to be hard. Your brain is going to go, this one didn't do very well and no one's reading and what's the point? But maybe you blow up at like two months and three weeks and that's the point where it suddenly explodes. So you have to give it permission and space. What would you do? Yeah, I would. I always think I talk about this to my clients sometimes when they're feeling how today's letter writer feels. And we always talk about waking up their audience sometimes when we've been burnt out, for example, and we haven't had as much time for nurturing type content or like really engaging or when we feel like we've kind of outgrown what we're doing. Like sometimes we have to wake up our audience and sometimes that looks just like sometimes it looks like asking ourselves, what do I know works that I haven't been doing? For example, like this podcast works like this podcast the last time we did it had such great reach it really resonated connected with people I've been in the season of my business where the past couple of years I had a baby I've been less visible I guess been less doing like other projects outside of like the necessities and I asked myself like what's the thing that would feel the most fun right now it was this podcast with you so sometimes it's re-bringing back to life something that did work that you have had less time to do I think it's really important to mention that, that that it worked for us as well like you didn't just go hey oh, that yeah. worked for my audience I'll just do that again oh no it worked for us I need you like this again like on it like the I want to do this show with you again and I want to do this project with you again because I know it supports people but also I want to be in this energetic space with you again because like do you know what I mean like, yeah. like I wouldn't do this Same. if I didn't love being in this space with you because it makes you make our friendship makes me feel stronger and braver and clearer and and that is that is important as well in business to have people who make you feel like the bravest version Definitely. of you and so again this was the past three years it always made sense from a business perspective to say yes to letters again but it never made sense from an energetic yes. perspective I only we only come back to it now because the energy is there the yes the, the business sense never went away but the energy we had to come back to it and so other times my business over the years ways I've woken up my audiences by giving them something they haven't had from me yet so for example last year when I launched my group program I started to do a lot more video content so I did a couple of YouTube videos but YouTube is just so Mm -hmm. much work I just did not have it in me but I did a lot of kind of like video trainings and like behind the scenes videos that I'd send to my email list and I think last year that made a huge difference in supporting my business to like kind of sell the program and how well it sold last year because I woke up my audience a little bit because they weren't used to seeing my face they heard my voice for many years but interestingly I noticed going into the third launch I didn't really do anything different going into that launch I kind of and so after a bit the way you've woke your audience up it kind of then not feel stale but they're used to it so they've like gone oh 10 more minutes and rolled back over and gone back to sleep exactly so there's some things help wake our audience up so sometimes it's like oh what could I do to kind of offer what I do in like a fresh and get people to it's not about getting their intention attention by screaming at them it's about getting their attention by them being oh this is interesting this is fresh so sometimes I do yeah I have three words that I use for this this is so funny so I have like a really similar metric that I use with my clients which is surprise excite or delight yes 
Yes, that's perfect. Those are the three things, right? So it's all about them. It's all about like like generosity and giving. But like, what could you send out? What could you do that would really surprise people? And maybe that's like something a little bit off tangent, right? Like maybe you're like, hey, by the way, I'd also started an OnlyFans while I was on maternity leave or like, you know, something that make, they're going to open that email. I'm telling you, they're going to open that email or excite them where they're just like, oh my God, like this is amazing. I need it. Or just delight them where they're like, this is just wonderful. I can't believe she sent me this. And just that creates so much generosity because it comes from generosity from you and it reciprocates. Like people, people want to share in that with you and they feel they feel like that that generous energy and it creates momentum it creates sales and it definitely creates awake audience members I have built my entire business on generosity of content of like sending a free workbook and sending regular content and that is but it's also generosity to myself to be like I don't send out something to my email list and then sit there waiting to see what I get back the generosity is also in here you go now let it go do its magic I'm just going to enjoy the creative process and and enjoy the delightful feeling of surprising and delighting people. And I think when we're feeling stuck in a row and when we're feeling like our audience engagement is low, it's like, yeah, how can I be generous? How can I delight them? How can I surprise them? I think it's in a way that brings you back to life, not in a way that drains you. I think the intersection of what energizes you and what energizes them is where the magic happens. And also your audience don't know what they want from you. If you, this is why I'm always a bit cautious of people who say like survey your audience and then Mm. whatever you get from that survey, do that. I think it can be helpful, but I also, I've always wanted to be audience focused, but never audience led because if I asked my audience what to do, I would have never done the things I've done because it had to come from my instincts and my experience and my perspective, but done in a way that was focused on their needs and their goals and their desires. So it's that, yes, pay attention to what your audience want from you, but you need to be the visionary behind it all to breathe new life into it too, I think. Completely. Like as a, I guess we're kind of coming at this from our, both of our businesses are about leading other business owners mm. or or you know, a degree of leadership in that sense. And maybe listeners, maybe our letter writer even has a different type of business, but there is that that need for leadership. You have to be able to be the one that like climbs the tree and sees the route ahead and says, right, we're going in this direction, guys. If you stay on the ground with everybody who's lost, you, you, you can only see what they can see and you can't see the bigger picture. So if you don't have faith in your own you know, in your own navigation, if you don't have faith in where you're taking people, you're not going to be able to show up with that energy and you're not going to be able to convince other people that you can help them. And whether that's with a product or a service, it's true. So one of the things I always think about your generosity, Jen, is like it shows so much quiet self-belief because it's like, here is an audio coaching guide. Here is a workbook, whatever it is. You are so confident that it's helpful, that people will get it, that they will listen to it, that they will be blown away. Like you probably don't phrase it this way in your head, but that's what's behind it, that they will then go, wow, I want to work with her. Like if this is what she's giving me for free, imagine what I'll get if I pay her. And a lot of the people I speak to are still further back than that. They're like, if people try my product, they might think I'm rubbish and they'll hate me and then they'll never buy from me because they've already found me out. Yeah, if if our confidence is low, any form of taking up space or even the scarcity mindset people always say to me like but you give so much away for free how are you not afraid no one will buy from you and I'm like because that's just not how people work if you give people value they always want to go next into the you know yeah. I mean? like the people who find my work valuable if they haven't bought from me the only reason they haven't bought from me is because it just wasn't the right time for them yet like they can see the value of my work they know my experience they see it so I think it's having the trust of knowing um, also like 
I'm okay if someone doesn't like me. Like my work isn't for everyone. I speak really fast and have a very strong Northern accent. That alone may be a turn off <laughs> to someone. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there's, it's okay to not be for everyone, but I am a hell, for some people I am a hell yes. And that is the beautiful piece of my work. And I think there's an energy and generosity you cannot be generous and breathe fresh life into our business if we're not also willing to not control the outcome of that experimentation. Like the belief also means that we're not going to stand there waiting to see something come back to us. We have to trust the flow of energy because it happens in its own mysterious ways. And we just have to keep showing up. And yeah, depending, like if you're a maker, for example, and you're not like a coach like we are, perhaps for you that looks like sharing like the creative behind the scenes of your process or sharing like what you're passionate about in terms of like the sustainability of your making process. Like, or if you're an artist, like sharing, like it doesn't have to always look like value doesn't always have to look like changing someone else's life. Value can just be sharing your heart or sharing your creativity or sharing your perspective or tell me the 10 songs that you love to listen to when you create, put it in a playlist for me. I'd love that. Like it can be anything you want it to be but whenever I'm standing in my business from a place of lack and insecurity of why is no one buying from me why doesn't anyone like me why are things so quiet and low the only true way to pull myself back into a productive space is to ask myself what can I give that's going to make it really easy for my hell yes people to know I exist to connect with my work to consider diving deeper into what I do if I move to a place of generosity and energy and creativity that's where the magic happens if I stay stuck in the frustration and they're not feeling good enough that's me just then driving my business into a dead end road. Yes. We should touch as well then on what if you do need to make sales immediately though? What if you're in this place and you're like, but also if my business doesn't start to pay the bills, it's got to close. One of the best experiences I've had of this in my business was when we were buying the French house and I needed to make 10,000 pounds in 10 days. We were just didn't have enough. We were having to buy it cash. We thought we were going to have a mortgage, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if I, did I speak about this in the last episode? You didn't talk about this in the last episode. No, okay. I hadn't bought the French house since we last recorded. So basically what I did was I was I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to sell everything immediately. And I, I, I felt really like, like people are going to notice, right? Like all of a sudden I'm like, buy this and this and also this. So either I just come clean and say why I'm doing it or I have to like be okay with the fact that people can see something's going on and I'm not answering that question. So I just came clean and I put in the bottom of the sales emails why I was doing it like, I want to buy this French house. And if you have thought about like working with me or buying something from me, if you do it now, you're like helping me achieve this completely unnecessary and frivolous dream of mine. And I got so many people who not only bought and we, we smashed that target. I think we got to nearly 20K in those 10 days. But not only did they buy, they emailed me and said, I'm buying because you told me that. I'm buying because I want to support you. I'm buying because I've followed you for years and years and I always told myself one day and you telling me that if I do it now, I get to be a part of that for you was the push I needed. Like people are rooting for you so much more than you think. And just because they're not commenting on your Substack or seeing your Instagram post or buying right now, that is like, 100% to do with their headspace, the stuff going on in their life, their other priorities, the noise, the content in their inbox, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't really reflect on their connection to you. And I think one of the beautiful things is when we we make a really honest ask of our audience, like when I launched my paid Substack and I was like, this is scary, this is new. I don't know if it's going to work, but I really want it to. And I'm asking you, like, if you've never paid me before, maybe you could give five pounds a month towards this. And this is what I'll give you in return. And I'm going to try and cram it with generosity like people show up and they're like yeah I'm happy to support you because we're 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 nice people and we're all rooting for each other and like we want each other to succeed 
I think what's so beautiful about that, and this is going to probably give people way too much insight into my own psyche, is how <laughs> beautifully brave and courageous it is to put your needs and desires on the table. Like the what you just expressed, like for me, that feels so triggering's not the word. It feels so beautiful to my nervous system because I'm, and you know this, like I, I'll text Sarah if I need something and then apologize straight afterwards for us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Take up space at all. And it's interesting because you, you all could be looking at me like, yeah, but Jen, you do loads of things publicly. And I'm like, yes, but I, I will take up space to be of service to others, but taking yeah. up space for my needs, very triggering for me. And so what I, what amazes me there is it was mutual. Like there's a difference between like people met you there because they've seen your generosity and they've seen how you show up for them and they believe in you, but it it wasn't one-sided. They got something deeply valuable from it too, but you were- Yeah, it wasn't like a GoFundMe, GoFundMe go my no, friendship. No, no, it was, it, it was, it was, that's just so beautiful and brave. And I think a good, it reminds me of like the pressure we put on ourselves for it all to look effortless. Yes. And for it all to, and I think the cool Instagram days was like this era of just like effortless business. And like, it also just looked like you have your strategy nailed down and it's always easy for you. And it's like, no, like it's allowed, to, you're allowed to look like you're trying. And that's the thing I have to remind myself of is it's okay to look like I'm trying. It's okay to look like I have needs and goals and priorities. It doesn't have to look. And if, if we take the pressure off for it to look effortless, we make more asks, we make more sales. I think from a very practical level, if someone's listening to this and they're like, I'm not feeling like there's a lot of momentum, but to pour into creative work, I need to bring in some cash flow. Mm. On a very practical level, like selling to past customers is always a smart one to do because yeah. they've already engaged with your work. There's, is there a next step on the on the ladder for them? I think selling what you know sells is also the thing that makes sense. If you have a course that you know, or oh, this is the one people like, if I launch this, if you know you have an offer that people like, if you know how you have a product, like go. If you need cash flow, go where the cash flow feels the most easeful. Don't make it more stressful than it needs to be. Like for you, Sarah, even though you you made it fun for your audience to know what the goal was, but you also still sold the things that you know sell right yeah absolutely I went at it with strategy like okay first wave let's I think I think I need to go, I might write a sub stack actually with the numbers because I think I put the insta retreat on sale first and then I put sell your shit on sale and they're my two like biggest selling programs and then I sold to my insta retreat people I think it might have been the first time I did this I sent everybody an email saying do you want a one-to-one call now you finished the class do you want to still talk to me more here's half an hour like you can book the there's a limited number of them and they sold super, super well. And then just people were buying everything because they wanted to support me. You know, people who were like, oh, well, I wanted to buy like Bloom and Grow, which is like my floral photography class. Like I'll get that now. Or like people were just ready to make that purchase because they they understood what it meant to me in that moment. So I always say this to my, my clients, like if you're struggling, don't feel like you have to pretend otherwise because it's not, even as a business coach, I don't think me telling you I had to make £10,000 makes me sound like less of a good coach. If anything, it makes me in the trenches with you, right? Like I'm still doing this. I'm still testing this stuff all the time. I'm still trying it out and putting my money where my mouth is. And those are the people we want to work with, I think. Those are the people I don't want a millionaire who was born a millionaire to tell me how to get rich <laughs> because they don't They don't know. They haven't done the struggle. I think about this a lot that 
well, what do I find valuable as a business owner when I look to, you know, other coaches or guys? It's like, I don't find your blog post bragging about your six figure launch helpful. Like, mm. I'm, I'm making this up as like an example. Like, what I find helpful is someone saying, like, this is how I'm overcoming these mindset blocks. So, this is how I'm overcoming, like, working from a slow launch. Like, I actually yeah. find it more helpful for people to share from like lived experience and here's what's going well and here's what's not. And it's because sometimes, I don't know about you, Sarah, sometimes my best financial seasons of my business have been the worst energetic mindset, emotional seasons. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And sometimes when the money's not been there, but my energy is like, it's just, it, it's a total roller coaster. And I think the pressure we put on ourselves to always act like we have all the answers is just, it's wild. But if you, if you have a business that has made you money, you can always make more money. Like you can, yes. you can always make more money. It's just figuring it out and finding your way. And I do think stabilizing finances does create them more energetic space to pour into the creative side of things. Cause it's hard. If your basic needs aren't being met, you, you need to stabilize them. So you're not panicking every day. But the thing I always find helpful is I've not even got started really in the grand scheme of my working life I've only just got started and if you hit a blip and you need to like get some cash flow coming in or rebuild savings or whatever it is like that's still just a blip in the grand scheme of things if you need to breathe fresh life back into your marketing like we will always be somewhere different a year from now it's just up to us okay it's not just up to us because there are also forces at play that can really derail our journeys but as much as we can with the with the circumstances we're handling with we get to choose what we do with that time and that space and sometimes that looks like growth sometimes that looks like just surviving sometimes that looks like you know sowing seeds for the next big thing but we're all still only at the beginning of our journey even if we're many many years into this because the rest of the time ahead of us it's not like I'm even like Sarah we're many many decades away from retirement so we've still many, got a long many a long time to go and I think you know the piece of this that really plays into it that maybe we don't talk about enough is especially as women we're not we're kind of told our life ends at 40 right like you what all the best things all the rom-coms all the starring roles have been played out by then and we don't get given very many media representative stories of how actually like that's just when it starts but of course it is because that's when all of your wisdom is finally kicking in and you kind of got over like the insecurity of your 20s and 30s and it starts to get easier well at least that's what people are telling me I'm really looking forward to that happening at some point like oh my god how (laughs) all the presidents of the United States are like in their 70s or something like it's crazy that we think that we're done once we hit 40 or 50 or whatever the story that we have in our head is but it's also not crazy because it's kind of you know what we've been told for so long so it's it's getting that into your head and For me, one of the really powerful things is just seeking out role models and examples of women in particular Mm. who have continued to create and innovate past the first initial flush. So like, you know, how many people have an amazing first album that like breaks the record charts and then everything they do after that is less in some regards, right? It's less successful. It makes less money. It gets them less attention. How do those people continue to create and keep putting stuff out for decades afterwards? Like it'd be very easy to say there was no value to that, right? Because it's not their best. Again, it's never going to be their best again. But to the people buying it, to the people who love it, to the creator who needs to have that creative expression, it just gets more and more valuable year on year. And and filling your life with those role models helps you to give yourself permission, I think, to to value your work and to value your metrics in a really different way. Yeah. So you may not feel 
like a popular girl anymore. Yeah, but don't, maybe. Don't be a popular girl. You're not a girl. No, like maybe you are actually like a, what's the word? Like a, like a sage wise woman who, or like whatever terminology people listening feel comfortable with. Like the, you don't, we don't need to be popular. I'm not here to be popular. I'm here to do work that is meaningful and impactful and creative and beautiful. And I'm here to make a good living for myself and work on my own terms. And I'm here to leave. Like I'm here to be when I'm, whenever the day I die, like I really hope I can like look back and be like, yeah, I did what I came to do in the world in a really gentle, chilled way. Like it's, we don't need to be popular. Yeah. Popular is not a legacy, right? Like no, popular doesn't change the world. We need to like make a good living because life is expensive and we need to like work in a way that honors our humanity and the rest of it is uh, is up to us and it sounds like you're at a crossroads letter writer today and that your choice is to either try and pursue a pa- the myth of popularity again or there's a beautiful door that wants you to open it and walk right through which is whatever this next chapter of your business is meant to be and that chapter is paved with your creativity and your courage and your vision and your patience and your execution of that the work it's going to ask of you it's nothing to do with being popular like popularity is not even a piece of that whatsoever popularity is something someone else decides about you it's not anything to do with what you actually do in the world this is your invitation yeah to to go deeper and to take the people who really matter with you and and to build that self-belief you know the real you that you spoke about like to to build a business centered around acceptance and love for the real you instead of rejection of the real you. And you will call in so many people by doing that work who need a role model for that too, right? Like how many of us need to see someone doing that work so we can do it ourselves. Like it takes trust. It takes faith. It feels a little bit like jumping off a cliff, but the second you do, you realize like there was land underneath you the whole time. And I would love, I don't, I know this person stayed anonymous and maybe they won't want to come and comment in the community on Substack, but if you feel safe to, or if you want to make like a second account and do so, it would be really lovely for you to come and share there because I suspect you will get an outpouring of love from our community members as well. Well, this is the really cool thing this time about doing it on Substack is that all you listeners here, if you like want to come share what you think, what you would do, how you would encourage today's listener, how it how it's resonated with how you're feeling in your journey. Like this is the really cool thing about Substack is we can all connect in the comments and get to know each other and support each other. And so, yeah, I guess yeah. that is the next step is listeners, come on over to Substack, tell us your thoughts, tell us what you're thinking. I hope this was encouraging for today's letter writer. And I hope you just know more than anything that you are not alone. And that, you know, the best is yet to come for all of us. Like it has to be, I think we, I don't think the golden era, and I say the golden era in quotes of Instagram is ever coming back. And that's a good thing because life is meant to move forward into the next chapter. And also as great as it was for people who had the Instagram high, it's a high for a reason that no one ever stays living at the high forever. You know what I mean? Like it, it was a moment in time and you can be thankful for that, for what it gave you, but you can also then move into whatever this next beautiful chapter is meant to be too. And also as a coach that specializes in Instagram, people were effing miserable. <laughs> you were yeah, all forgetting. Well, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> I, I sold more Instagram classes then than ever because everyone was struggling. Like, yes, sometimes it felt great when we got the engagement, but then when we didn't, it was so much more devastating. We were like constantly on a roller coaster and, and people were not getting conversions and all sorts of things. So don't believe the lie that the golden days have passed. There is never a golden age. There is never. And no. 
the next great thing is still ahead of you. I, I truly believe that for all of us and I can't wait to be right and you all come and say, yeah, you did tell us so, Sarah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we are right here too, also feeling at times that we've run out of steam or that we mm-hmm. need to wake up our audience or bring... Well, that everyone hates us. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, and it's just, I, I was like, Sarah, no one's going to care at the podcast back and Sarah's laughing at me like, of course they will, Jen. And it's just like, you're not alone in feeling like this. I'd never underestimate how much courage and resolve and resiliency this entrepreneurship is asking of you because that is what's hardest on our nervous system is it asks us every day to be braver and braver than we've been in the past and to keep going and that you should celebrate everyone listening to this you are amazing because this is hard like it's hard to take up space and it's really hard to send a sales email and not know if anyone's going to care that we're selling that feel like that's a lot on our nervous systems we're amazing that we're doing it even if we sell like it's hard when we sell like when we sell things amazing our system our nervous systems feel great and then when things are quiet it's like oh and don't believe a lie that me and Sarah are always selling everything out and everything's always going amazing we have highs and lows just as much as everyone else but we've built the ability to keep showing up and keep going and that's what we hope for you too absolutely and we've built the ability to not make it mean anything about our worth or the future of our business which I think you need is a muscle you need to build and the only way you build it is by using it and having to so this is yeah. perfect for you, letter writer. I hate when people say that to me, but it's true. This is exactly what you need to build the business of your future that is resilient and full of the real you and not dependent on other people's opinions. So thrive in it, make it work. And we are here for you. And we're rooting for you. And I can't wait to read everyone's comments after yes. this episode. This is so, ni- it's so nice compared to last time. So actually, no, we're going to connect with people. So we will meet you. If you go to the Substack post for this episode and we'll link it in like the show notes in your podcast app as well. But the one with the same title as this episode, you'll see the player and then you will see comments at the bottom and that's where we'll talk. Okay. So if you're the first one there and no one's speaking, please be the first one on the dance floor and leave a comment for us and then we will join you. I can't wait. And we will be back in a fortnight. Most likely we're playing around with our schedule if we can do more, but I will see. We'll see. We'll see. At least a fortnight. We'll speak to you then. Yeah. Send us letters. Send us letters, yes, please. (laughs) And we will we will speak soon to you. And thank you for listening. Bye everyone. You can join us at lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and on social media. So on Instagram, I'm at me and Orla. And you'll find me at Jen Carrington underscore. We are going to be sharing new episodes. So if you've liked what you've heard so far, hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show. Yeah, and we can't wait to connect with you soon.